Rhea Naidu and welcome to the Enormous Issues Audacious Ideas podcast. If you've been following so far, you know that this podcast is about technology and world issues, but it is also about leadership and leadership in a time of exponential change in the world. I ask one question, who do leaders need to be to captain us all through a time that is super exciting, but also extraordinarily uncertain? I strongly believe that as entrepreneurs and leaders who want to really change the world in a positive way, we need to be bolder and to think way out of the box. We need to believe to our core that anything is possible, and we need to be audacious in going after what we believe in. My guest today is someone who is not a technology expert and has not worked at exciting tech startups or world-changing nonprofits. But she is changing the world in incredible ways by simply being who she is and sharing how she sees the world. She is showing us all that despite incredible barriers that most of us can't even comprehend, we can achieve what many will tell us is impossible. And she is teaching us what superpowers could be accessible to us if we just left our judgments at the door and simply started to get curious about those that might be different to us, those that might be very different to us and what they have to teach us. As I was editing this episode, I got more and more excited about it. And this is going to be an absolute treat. In fact, this might be my best episode yet. As a reminder, if you are loving this podcast, here are some low effort ways you can support me. One, you can subscribe, which is very helpful. Two, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, which is extremely helpful. But the single most impactful thing that you can do is to share it on social media or just with two to three friends who you think you would love it. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. My guest today is someone incredibly special. Her name is Libby Lovejoy. She's been an entrepreneur for over 30 years. She's a writer. She's a world traveler and went to Europe alone. She also owns and trained her own dog. And she's launching a podcast at 58. What's really incredible about her is that she happens to also be totally blind. Libby, I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Hi, I'm happy to be here. And I only get to say this once, so I'm going to say it. This is the first time I've been interviewed for a podcast. So <laughs> there you go. And what is it like? I don't know. You'll have to show me. <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. Okay, so my first question, have you ever been to a nightclub? Yes, I've been to many nightclubs. I have gone there for dancing and partying. And I used to do after hours parties too, like go to a nightclub and then go around and ask everybody like, hey, do you guys know where there are any after hours parties? And then people would be like, yeah, there's one over here, one over there, whatever. And then we would go for it. So yes, absolutely. Oh. And what is the experience of you being in a nightclub? How is that like for you being totally blind? Well, after I have a couple cocktails, you know, I'm ready to talk to anybody. I'm super social, so I can just go up to people and say anything, especially, you know, after a couple drinks. But yeah. as I get older, I'm not really so much into it. I would mostly go for bands and music and stuff like that. But oh, yes, I've had my partying days for sure. <laughs> incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. I love that. Oh my goodness. So switching gears a little bit. So this podcast deals a lot with technology and we met because you and I were both launching a podcast and we did a workshop 
And I saw you navigating technology pretty darn well. I was actually shocked, surprised, and it was a huge education for me. What is it like for you navigating this brave new world of technology that we, we live in today? Well, technology is a game changer for somebody who is totally blind like myself, or even people who are low vision, probably. But I mean, everything talks, everything is on an app. There's apps out there that can navigate like GPS apps. So you mentioned that I'm training my own guide dog and I am. And so I take out my phone and I open up an app and it tells me what's around, when a street's coming up, things like that. So I can make sure that I'm alerted so I can make sure she gets trained appropriately. There's apps for everything. Blindness and apps, this whole technology thing that we're going through right now, changing the world is a game changer for me. I mean, I can do everything. Before it was like, oh, here's a newspaper. Go ahead and read this. Not, right? But I can now <laughs> just go online, boom, go and read anything I want, do anything. Everything is at my fingertips. It's fantastic. It's truly, truly a game changer for me. That's amazing. And how did you start to adopt new technologies? What was that experience like for you? So I got my first computer back in the 90s. So it had voice output. So it talks in a very mechanical voice and it would <laughs> say things and it takes a minute to get used to it. But of course I did. And then I started moving into more things like Braille displays that have readouts in Braille as well as voice. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, Is that it's, this little thing that you put your hand on and then the Braille kind of just moves over your fingertips? Yes. So it has oh, a wow. keyboard, a Braille keyboard with which is a six key keyboard. And you can type all the letters and numbers in there. And then whatever I type in there pops up on a Braille display and I can read it and make sure, you know, say I'm editing something so I don't have any mistakes or, you know, something like that. But yeah, technology is fantastic. I mean, I could spend an hour talking with you about the different technological advances that have transpired for blind people. Oh my goodness, it's great. Maybe tell me about two or three of these technologies. So what are the technologies that excite you the most? Well, lately I'm getting ready to launch my own podcast. So I have been into social media. So I've been on Facebook and Instagram. And as you probably know, Instagram is, is very visual. Mm -hmm. And so it says where there's an emoji, it says what it is. So if there's a picture of a typewriter, it'll say typewriter. If there's a wow. picture of a red heart, it will say red heart. And wow. some apps are not completely accessible, but a lot of them are. And so through that access to social media, I mean, I've been able to impact anywhere in the world as, as any of us can because of that accessibility feature. And it just describes everything. And yeah, it's quite yeah, amazing. It's game changing. Yeah, it game is a game changing. changer. It really amazing. is. Yep. And that's all using, I would say, like AI probably to identify what the picture is and then spit it back out at you. It's amazing how AI is actually transforming lives of blind people around the world. And something that totally. not all of us think about all the time. Sure. Yeah. Of course, you don't think about it when it's not a concern of yours. But then when it is brought up, I mean, it's made blindness basically obsolete. I can do everything from, oh my goodness, there's an app you can call people up and have a sighted person tell you, say, do I have a spot on my top or- What? Can, yes. That's I mean, so you cool. get a real person 
there's apps that'll read. So for an example, if I go in the kitchen and I'm trying to figure out what I want to eat and I grab something out of say the freezer, which mostly I eat healthy, but let's just say, and I need to know the instructions. It'll read me from the barcode, everything on that package just by wow. opening up an app. Yeah. It's, it's so you just, just take a picture of it or just point your camera at it. Yep, and then you just point just... your camera at it and yeah. things starts talking away. I've traveled a bit overseas and in countries where I don't speak the language and the people around me don't speak English, you can pull out your phone and then Google Translate will just pull up. It's almost like you see the same image of whatever package and then written over (laughs) the letters, you just see the, the translation in English. And I can just imagine very similar technology for reading it out from a voice perspective. Not totally blind people will have Alexa, but they won't even understand how Alexa can be so game-changing for you. It's like a convenience for all of us. It's something cool and new and exciting. And yeah, it helps a little bit. But for you, it has like that amazing transformational capacity. It's true. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit again. So you were born totally blind. What was it like for you growing up as a blind kid? I went to school, public school, With all sighted kids, I was the only blind kid in my school. I do have a sister who's also blind, but she was two years older than me. So we weren't really in the same grade. You know how two years is a big Mm -hmm. deal when you're a little kid. (laughs) So I just really played with everybody and things were pretty cool. There were always a few jerks around who teased me and stuff. And so little kids, you know, I'd be walking down the hall and some kid would say, hey, watch out for that tree. Some kids that were blind that I talked to later that I made friends with, they would, you know, they would be really upset and cry or whatever. But me, I was just like, put out my hands and I'd be like, wait, what tree? What are you talking about? (laughs) To like make jokes and stuff. Just play along with it. Yeah, you know, and at first it kind of bothered me. But then I realized, hey, they just want to tease me and they want to get a reaction. So I'm not going to let them have that. I'm going to just do my thing and be myself and whatever. And eventually, some kids would still tease or whatever, but it wouldn't bother me. But a lot of kids wanted to get to know me because I was different and I had something different going on. And I always was an outgoing, friendly person and had lots of friends and stuff. So as I got older, I guess my teenagers were the toughest probably because I was angry, you know, like, oh my God, I'm blind and all these kids could see. And I wanted to go out with different boys that could see. And the boys in my age, they wouldn't date me. So I was like, okay, fine. You want to date me? Then you know what? I am going to go out with older boys. And so I did. And I tell you what, I had a lot of fun. So ha ha (laughs) to all of you boys that teased me when I was in school. So yeah, I I just kind of made up for it. Just did my thing. And again, I was a bit angry and stuff because I was obviously different. And sometimes people can't handle it well. Don't they just don't deal well with the whole blind thing. So it was tough, but I made the best of it. And I had a lot of fun. I was wild when I was in school. I I got into (laughs) Oh, yeah, really? How? (laughs) I mean, everything about you. I was just wild. My dad had a lot of friends and was really outgoing. And my mom had friends too, but she wasn't the wild one. My dad was the wild one. And so we were kind of raised with that mentality, like partying's awesome and, you know, all that stuff. So I just fell right into that whole thing. And I love to party and, you know, do drugs and get wild and all that stuff. So I was quite wild and and have been a lot in my life. But now I feel like I've 
learned pretty much all that drugs can really teach me. I'm not opposed to, you know, ever doing drugs or anything like that again, but it's something I feel like I've learned a lot from and I don't really need to revisit that very often if at all. Yeah, I, I hear that. For me, psychedelics are so visual. There's that huge visual component of doing psychedelics. Right. What is that like for you? What are psychedelics like for a blind person? So it's a lot of flashing lights and things that move around that I'm not really sure what they are. But as you can imagine, most of it is inner inner mind stuff. So it's like I would go in and not so much see things visually since I'm not a visual mm -hmm. person, then I would go in and explore thoughts and concepts and new places to go in the world and expanding my thought process and, and things like that. So I took it on a very deep deep, deep level. As far as the visual goes, I wasn't, I mean, I don't really know what it is to see because I've always been blind. So it's hard for me to compare it to say mm -hmm. what you might see as a, as a sighted person. Well, I'm interested that you see the flashing lights and you do see movement. Is that different to your normal state? Do you see flashing lights and movement typically? No. So I see light and dark. So they say I'm classified as being totally blind without any usable vision. So mm -hmm. I see light and dark, like I can tell if it's day out or night out, but I don't see any shapes or movements or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And in a journey, in a drug-induced state, I see these flashing things and, and everything seems shiny to me. And I've seen things on drugs that I've never seen in my normal everyday visual world. And, mm -hmm. and honestly, I do not really think a lot about what I see visually because while it's always been the same, it's not super helpful. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, I can't see, for an example, where a doorway is from where a wall is. So I have to mm -hmm. learn other ways of detecting things. And that's what I'm particularly good at mm -hmm. is learning other ways of doing the same thing everybody else does. I just do it in a different way. I've developed my senses and, and everything really well, but I probably have a seventh and eighth and a ninth sense that I don't even really realize because I'm just using it all the time. Like you just get up in the morning, you open your eyes and you can see, well, I just get up in the morning and yes, I open my eyes, but I'm seeing in a different way. So I'm still seeing the same things just in a different way. And obviously if I'm in a new place, I know that there might be an obstacle in my way or something. So I do use a lot of common sense. That's one of my primary things mm -hmm. is common sense. Okay, we just walked in someone's house. Guess what? There might be some steps in front of me. There might be a table that's low down by my shins, so I need to be careful. Mm -hmm. And right now I use a guide dog for mobility to get around on the street, but I also can use a white cane and I have a purple one and a green one and a black one and all <laughs> kinds of colored ones to match my outfits. Yes, but... Um, <laughs> nice. But when I was in school, I didn't want to be different and, and have that stigma of carrying a white cane. So I just learned how to hear and sense everything. So I can sense a wall or usually stuff that's, say, waist high or above. Sound waves bounce off of things and I'm able to tell where stuff is. I mean, it's like a bat. I can hear where things are and the sound just reverberates or the energy reverberates off of stuff. 
stuff. Sometimes I don't even know, Rhea, how I can sense something. Like somebody will walk into a room and I'll say, hi, Rhea, how's it going? And I'll think to myself, how did I know? I mean, I couldn't smell you. I can't Mm -hmm. see you for sure. You didn't say anything. So it has to be like energy or something that Mm -hmm. I'm picking up that I don't even really realize what Mm -hmm. I'm doing. But again, I've been, I was born blind. So to me, it's not any different. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it it, it doesn't seem any different to me than anything anybody else is doing. I just use different senses and different ways of detecting the same things that, that anybody else would do. And would you say you have a very heightened sense of hearing and touch compared to the average person? I know that you can't really compare, but given your experience and how you interact with the world. That's a very common myth. And I don't really think my senses are any better or any worse. I just use them differently. So I might smell something the same as you do, but I'm like, oh, wait, hey, that means somebody's making a pizza. Wow, cool. Whereas since you can see, you might not even think like that. Until you actually see the pizza, you might not even realize it's there. Now, obviously, you're going to smell it too. And I'm to kind of a very um, simplistic way of describing it, but I think you get the drift. Yeah. I mean, I think that that makes sense. When I became a vegan a couple of years ago, I was vegan for about three years. And when I did, I started tasting things differently, but I think it was just because I was paying more attention to things. So the taste of vegetables just popped for me. And I was really, really loving different flavors, different flavors of vegetables and fruits. And during that period, I was like, wow, the world is amazing. I felt like I had a heightened sense of taste, but I think it was similar to you. You're just paying closer attention to it. It's just more important for you. So it's just something that you are putting your attention on and that makes you feel like you're more sensitive to it. Right. You know, I always thought, oh, I I have this great sense of smell and it's so heightened because I'm blind and because I do have a great sense of smell. But I have a sister, like I mentioned before, who is also blind and she does not have a great sense of smell. So there goes the theory. And my mom has a great sense of smell better than my sister who's blind. So I think it's just about what you focus on. And even back to your vegan story, I went vegan for about six months just Mm -hmm. because I love challenges. And I thought, ah, that kind of sounds cool. Let's see how I feel. So I went vegan and then I went into a deli and there was all this meat in there and it smelled like dead flesh. <laughs> and I was like, how can people eat this? You know, and then after I started eating meat again, I went to the same deli and I couldn't smell anything. I couldn't differentiate. It smelled like a deli, right? So I think it's all about what you want to do, what you want to focus on. And I always tell people, not all blind people are created equal. Like not all sighted people are created equal. Not anybody is created really the same, obviously, right? So for me personally, I have a really great sense of my surroundings. I'm very aware of what's going on and that's how I process stuff. Whereas another blind person might not. So I get around really well and I have developed my skills that I do have to compensate for the ones that I don't have or or aren't so strong. Mm -hmm. And I've just focused really hard on that because I've, I've always wanted to be accepted in the sighted world. That's what world we live in. Mm -hmm. And I've gone to extreme lengths to to make myself fit in as best I can. Mm -hmm. Going back to this courage, this determination, this, this sort of spirit, this fighting spirit, where did that come from? Where does that come from? 
I believe I was born with it. I think I was born with a self-worth. So when I was a baby, my parents always told me that I was really quiet. Like I would sit in my crib with poopy pants. I wouldn't cry. I wouldn't do anything. And my mom would come in and she's like, dang, man, something must be wrong with Libby. I wonder if she's like retarded or something. And it was because I've always just felt content. And you know what my, really what my secret is? One of my secrets, I got a lot of secrets, (laughs) but one of my secrets is to keep trying. Like if something doesn't work out. I don't just say, oh God, forget it. I'm not trying that again. I just step right up and keep doing it over and over and over. And grit. and it, yeah, so I just don't grit. give up. Yeah. yeah, it's persistence and grit. Yep. And I just won't give up. And even if I get smacked down or whatever, a lot of people are like, how can you do that? How come you just don't stop? And I'm like, I can't. I mean, it's a challenge now and I'm going to do it. So I just have this thing inside of me that pushes me to go and to do. And it really is helpful too to have things that I want to accomplish, goals, ideas of what I want to do. And if somebody tells me I can't do it, well, then you better watch out because then I'm really going to do it. And I've always been like that. It's just always been my my thing. So I feel like I was born with it, but I've also spent a lot of time developing it. So incredible. Would you say you are audacious? Is that a term that you would resonate with? Yes, I'm very audacious. I go out, I do everything. And again, if people say, oh, you can't do this, I go for it and I do it anyways. That's just my nature. Mm-hmm. And I really want now that, I've, that I am older and I've done a lot of things, I really want to encourage your audience and you to go out and actually do these things. You know, none of us are getting any younger. I can speak to that, right? And to say when I die, I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have tried that. That's not good enough for me. And I really want to encourage everybody go out and live it up because, you know, we only have this one life. And if you're just going to sit around and wait for things to happen to you, then guess what? You're going to get old and you're going to have a very dissatisfied, probably boring and for sure unaudacious, if that's even (laughs) a word, (laughs) life. I love that. Oh my goodness. You are speaking my language now. Uh, yeah, yeah. All about just drinking every single drop out of life. It's almost like taking that slice of the watermelon and like eating even into the peel because you just want every single little bit of it. Just like don't you. waste this thing. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> no, I love yeah. that because I I really, as, as I've gotten older and I've thought to myself, you know, I, if I had it to do all over, Honestly, I wouldn't do it anything different because that's like reliving my life, right? But Mm -hmm. if I had it to do all over, I I would even go for it more. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I've pretty much gone for it fully. So, (laughs) so yeah, you guys, everyone out there, go for it. Be audacious. We got one chance to really do it and live it up. So you might as well enjoy yourself. That's my advice. One of my inspiring, (laughs) so inspiring, Libby. Oh my god. And one of those audacious things is that you are launching a podcast. So tell me about that. All right. So I am launching a podcast and I decided to come out and share my life. 
And I've kind of been private and haven't really wanted to step out and stuff. But I realize the only way people are going to empower themselves and maybe go out and do stuff themselves is if I can share what I've learned and be an example and set an example. And the only way to do that is to share. So I am starting a podcast, which is called Pathways to Your Passions. That's Pathways to Your Passions. And my tagline, is empowering you to manifest your dreams. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So everybody check it out because it's going to give you some laughs, some fun times, and also some reality checks because I'm going to share stuff from my own life, but I also am going to do some interviewing. And I know some really cool people that I'm going to introduce you to. So if you want to find out more about it, then you're going to have to tune in. So everyone, go on to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and check out Pathways to Your Passions. I am so excited about this podcast and to see the world through your eyes, Libby. It, it's a real privilege for me to to have this opportunity just to, to spend some time thinking about and experiencing life through your eyes. Great. So the world is changing really, really quickly. We see things like climate change, uh, you know, obviously the, the effects of climate change are being felt in the world. And we have automation that is really changing the workforce and taking away a lot of jobs. And COVID-19 has just accelerated those trends. So for me, I see the world changing in, in astronomical ways. What are some perspectives that you can share to leaders of the world to navigate this brave new world that we find ourselves in? Well, first and foremost, that blindness or any other type of challenge or obstacle that people face is eliminated and that people are seen as equals, no matter what their thing is. Mm -hmm. And there's so many opportunities and so much community out here. And for the people who are already successful, that they reach their hand out and offer help to those of us who aren't quite that successful yet. And it's a giving, loving relationship with people on the planet who really want to do stuff. Now, there's people on this planet who are not interested. They want to steal, they want to cheat, they want to lie to get ahead. Those people can stay over there in that segment of the world. And those of us who really want to elevate ourselves, we can learn and grow and change from some of the things that some of the greats in our world right now have done. I mean, when you when you're worth 10 billion dollars, just throwing out a number here, maybe it's 10 million. I don't know. When you have enough money that you can't spend it all in your lifetime, then it's time to give back to reality, to society and to say, hey, I'm willing to offer some time to someone who's a little less fortunate, but still has the desire. Because if we elevate one person, it's going to elevate all of us. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what I see for the future and hope for the future. And there's some really great stuff going on right now that is going to help with elevating that. So so that's what I see for the future. And that I would really love to see people just reaching out and helping each other instead of all this fighting and judging and stealing and, you know, all the garbage that's going on in our world today. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, that's super inspiring. I love just this values of compassion, empathy, but also activism. So actively going out and doing something and this value that underpins what you're saying of equality and looking at people based on how much they want it and how hard they're willing to work and how badly do they want to create something in their world versus something as trivial as whether they look or can do all the same things that you can do. You know, there's something about blindness that's really cool. There's a lot of things about blindness that are really cool. But one of the things that I'm going to share with you right now is I can't see somebody and say, oh my God, that person's obese. I don't like them. Or, oh geez, you know, that that person doesn't look good. Or that person has, you know, just deformity or whatever. I can't see that. So everybody to me is the same. I mean, they come in at the same level. And I can't, I have no frame of reference to say, oh, wow, you know, that person is, a, you know, say really short or whatever. I mean, I just simply don't have the ability to judge in that way because I can't see them. And I can't just be right off first judging somebody by anything that's visual. Now, if somebody walks in and they really smell or something, that might be a different story. <laughs> but the whole visual thing is cut off. And there's some blind organizations out here. And what's really cool about them is they're all people who are seeing everybody the same. And so there's all kinds of people in this group. And half the time, you know, I don't know if somebody's whatever, how whatever they are. If they're old, if they're young, if they're fat, if they're thin or tall or short or white or black or anything, it doesn't matter. And that is really, really cool. And I, I don't want that to change because that's how the world should be. It shouldn't be based upon what we see. But we do see with 80 to 90 percent of our most people, obviously not me, but to 80 to 90 percent of our senses are, are visual. Mm -hmm. And so it's very difficult to shut that judgmental person off and just take somebody as they come. So it, mm -hmm. it's tough. You, you sightlings have it tough in a way. Just for interest's sake, I wonder if this will make it into the podcast, but we don't know each other all that well. And you've never met me in person. And you probably have not really heard much about what I look like or anything else. What is your judgment on me? I, I don't even think about it, honestly. I don't th think, oh, wow, I wonder if she's tall or I wonder if she's pretty or, you know, I, it's something that I don't really go into. It just doesn't matter. I'm, I'm looking at you as a person and I say, oh, hey, she has a nice voice. She's got a cool accent. She's intelligent. You articulate well. You liked me, so awesome, right? I like you back because, <laughs> you know, that type of thing. I'm looking at different aspects than you are. And do you think that has an impact on your ability to build relationships with people? Yes. Because so I've been, like you mentioned, I've been an entrepreneur for 30 years and I've hired a lot of people. And that's just not what comes up for me is if somebody's even nowadays, it's even, you know, I can't even tell if somebody's a man or a woman half the time or if they're binary or whatever. I used to be a lot more judgmental about it just because I know it's a sighted world. So I would ask my friends like, hey, what does so-and-so look like or whatever? But now I just leave it out. It just doesn't mean anything to me. 
Mm-hmm. And when I do find out, like, let's say I found out you're, you know, 500 pounds or whatever, I would say, hey, go for it. You know, you you have overcome something huge. Well, literally, mm-hmm. huh? I love your sense of humor. Oh my goodness. You gotta have one. You know, that's been the whole thing and for me is to just be able to laugh, to laugh at life, to laugh at myself, to laugh blindness in the face, right? I mean, I love blind jokes and stuff. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can't think of any good ones, so don't ask me right now. But <laughs> I do. And if you can't laugh at it, then it's like so serious and people take it so seriously. So I just enjoy making light and fun of whatever I can. Because otherwise, so I, if you're not laughing, you're crying, right? Yeah, so I love that. I, you know, I think a lot about political correctness. And obviously, there's hate speech and racism, which is like bad, 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 right? But... I think about comedy and political correctness in the world and in our culture and our corporations. And, you know, I, I sometimes get a little bit confused about where we're heading all the time. What is your opinion on that? I think right now, particularly with the racial tensions and issues that we have going on in this country, probably worldwide, I think it's too soon to, to do a lot of joking because we need some resolution. People have just got to start accepting people for who they are and stop this whole, what color are you? What sex are you? You know, all this kind of stuff. So I think it's a bit too soon for humor, but is it ever too soon for humor? I mean, I don't know. That's That's a very good question. You know, I guess it depends on who's doing the humoring. Because and like what the scent is. Yeah, and 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 yeah, is it is it is it evil? Is it is it a malintent? Are you saying this because you're trying to judge somebody? And we're so sensitive here in this climate right now. But you know, times are changing so much. I mean, I hope in well, I wish it were tomorrow, or well, let's take it today. I wish it were today that people would just get over it. But you know, it's gonna take a minute. But I wish people would just relax about everything and just take people at face value. Who are they really? You know, I mean, I don't know. It's it's such a crazy climate right now, but change is in the wind for sure. Mm. Change is in the wind. Mm. It sounds like a Bob Dylan song. Yeah, or a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's blowing in the wind with Bob Dylan, yeah, but hey, cool. yeah. <laughs> Times they are a changing. There, there you go. Yeah, they are. You were an entrepreneur for a long time. What does it take to be a very successful entrepreneur? Who do you need to be? Well, you have to be somebody who's willing to continually go for it. Fortunately for me, I made some pretty good money at first when I started doing my own business. But then in the last six years, it's been really, really tough for me. And what what I just keep doing is just keep trying things, new things all the time. Be willing to try, be willing to get up and do it again, no matter what. Because Mm -hmm. you learn from whatever you've done, whether it's positive or negative, successful, unsuccessful. And so to just have the tenacity, the audacity and the tenacity to get up Mm -hmm. and just keep doing it over and over again, if you have to, eventually... Mm -hmm. 
you know, if you keep doing something over and over again and again, eventually it's going to work. I mean, just odds are. And so that's been my biggest thing. And nobody wanted to hire me. Blind people have a 70%, that's seven zero, and this is before COVID, percent unemployment rate. Wow. Yeah. So I went out and took it into my own hands and started different businesses and things myself and just kept hiring myself and doing my thing. And you know, what's really cool is when I hire people who are sighted, the whole blind thing goes out the window because I have their check in my hand, right? I mean, they can't, they can't mess with me too much because I'm paying them. And it kind of puts things into a really nice place, especially for me. And I haven't gotten a lot of people who will put me down or think I can't do a lot of stuff because I'm paying them. I'm their boss. And so it kind of levels the playing field. And even if they think it, they can't say it really to me, right? Or I can let them go right then and there. A lot of times like people get to know me and they're kind of weird about the blind thing. And then as they get to know me more and more, they just forget it because I'm doing everything they're doing. I'm cool. I'm fun. I'm all kinds of things. And they just forget. And that's great. And then there's some people who never forget. And Mm -hmm. and you probably know that too, with the challenges or situations that you've faced where sometimes you can't overcome something because the person's so closed. And in that case, you know, whatever, that person's a jerk anyway, and you wouldn't want them in your life anyway. So as you gain wisdom, and as I've gained wisdom and, and gotten older and had more experiences in life, I just realized, you know what, if somebody doesn't want to go out with me, for an example, because I'm blind. Well, you know what? They're not worth it anyways. They were probably a jerk. If I could have seen, maybe they would have gone out with me and I would have found out whatever, six months later that, you know, they were an asshole. So it's kind of a a self-winnowing thing, the whole blind thing. So many things are coming up. One, we are all such jerks, not just to blind people. We are just such jerks and judgmental jerks to everybody. And we really need to be won over almost with everyone that might just be a little bit different. We we just have so many judgments just right out the door. And a lot of those times, those judgments are not serving us. They're not in line with reality and something that you can just take as a reality check around checking your judgments at the door and really looking into people as being curious and not having any preconceived notions about what you can expect, but just being curious. So that's the one thing. The other thing that came up for me is, you know, as you were talking about, going to be always some people that don't like you and don't get it and whatnot. And who cares? Those people are jerks. They're not my people. I feel like you can be talking about anyone in this world. Like that resonates with me so much in my life where there were people in my life where I tried really hard for them to like me when I was younger. And then I realized, you know what? They're not my people. And I just need to find my tribe. And there's lots of people who find me interesting and valuable and all the rest. And the ones that don't, they can just go jump in the lake. Right. So I feel like your experience is so relatable and it's so inspiring coming from from you, but it just touches me in a very deep place too. It's good. And I think for your audience too, it's great to hear that because as we gain life experience, we become more open to hopefully... Some people become closed, right, as they age. Mm. But hopefully people, as they live life, are able to open up and and let go of some of this garbage and judgment and, and all that stuff that's going on here on our planet and make it a lot nicer place to live, that's for sure. 
Mm. You know, I think this is so, so valuable. And as we wrap up, the one thing that is coming up for me, and that has been coming up for me in a lot of my clients that I've been coaching, and I coach mostly very senior people in tech startups. So tech startup CEOs, VPs, heads of products, chief revenue officers, that type of thing. And the one thing that has been coming up for me and also in this session with you today is that we are so much the same. We are so much more similar than we are different. And even these very high-powered entrepreneurs that are successful and building great companies, all they really want is for them to be told, hey, you're doing a great job. All that they need is for someone to say, that's a self-limiting belief. And everybody has them. Everybody has these little voices in their heads to say, oh, you can't do this, or you're, you're too small, or you're too weak, or you're too this or too that. And to see someone who was born totally blind, just going out, taking life by the horns, just believing that they can do anything, believing that they are worth so much, believing that the world is at their fingertips. And all of us able-bodied people out there with all of our self-limiting beliefs, oh my God, it really makes you think and it really makes you realize that we are capable of so much more. All of us, we are capable of so much more than we know. And so I'm just so inspired by our conversation because I've just learned that we have so, so, so much more in common, Libby, than we have that divides us. And it's a really inspiring message. Good. Good that you see that. And hopefully most people can grow to that level and be able to see that. Yeah. Any parting thoughts? Any messages for the audience? I would like to say that I hope all of you go out there and be the most audacious person that you can be. You've got one life. Live it great. Live it up and have fun. That's what I have to say. Thank you so much for interviewing me, Rhea. It's been a wonderful first interview, and I look forward to hearing myself being interviewed. How about that? Oh, and one more thing. Everybody, tune in to Pathways to Your Passions. Absolutely. If you didn't say it, I was going to say it. Head over and follow <laughs> Libby Lovejoy. Her podcast is already out and it is Pathways to Your Passions. I have been checking it out and it's awesome so far. So go ahead and remember to subscribe. And if you liked this podcast and if you are interested in seeing other audacious ideas and how people are changing the world, technology, AI, COVID, you name it, go ahead and subscribe to my podcast. Once again, my name is Ria Naidu and this is the Enormous Issues Audacious Ideas Podcast.